Find the life you didn't think was possible with the Jesus you never knew. Together, let's slow down a little and pay better attention to the most significant person in history. Welcome to the podcast, Paying Ridiculous Attention to Jesus, with your host, Rick Lawrence, brought to you by Lifetree. Visit us at JesusCenteredLife.com. Well, hi, listeners. This is Season 3, Episode 47, brought to you by Lifetree at PainRidiculousAttentionToJesus.com. My name is Rick. I'm author of Spiritual Grit, The Jesus-Centered Life, and general editor of The Jesus-Centered Bible, which is a whole lot of Jesus, if you're catching the thread there. Maybe we should have called the podcast A Whole Lot of Jesus. Yeah, I think I like paying ridiculous attention to Jesus better, even though it's harder to pronounce. But this month, we're continuing a month-long focus on reinventing the basics. So we've already done some interesting stuff this month, including a focus on music as a basic to our life of following Jesus. And we've explored what role music plays in Jesus's life and why it's so little mentioned in scripture, especially in his interactions with others. And our goal here is to upend some of the conventional wisdoms and common practices and expected norms of our Jesus following life. So today we're going to focus on something that's also in a similar way, kind of left out of the narrative of Jesus' life and interactions. It is laughter. Laughter is in Scripture, but you have to kind of find it. <laughs> and we don't think typically, when we, when we think about the Bible, we don't think about it as a book that has humor in it. We think of it as this super serious, intense book. But the truth is, there is a lot of humor in the Bible, but it's, it's not immediately apparent because we don't have much information uh, in the pages of the Bible about the tone or context often in which people said things. Especially This is especially true when it comes to Jesus. There are things that Jesus said and did that are really funny, but you have to slow down and and throw kind of throw out of your head the common way that you think Jesus talks and maybe assume that maybe he said that with a different tone than I think. And if he did, then that's really funny. So We'll talk a little bit more about the examples of humor in Jesus' life uh, a bit later. But first, the way we're going to focus on laughter and humor as a basic to the Christian life is through an interview I did at a massive conference that I'm currently at. <laughs> uh, there's about 5,000 youth pastors at this conference. That's why you, you, you hear my voice maybe a little bit different because I'm recording it on this portable mini recorder. And the person I'm going to interview is Tommy Woodard, who's one half of the comedy duo called the Skit Guys. You've probably seen the Skit Guys video in your church if you've been going to church very long because they produce a lot of these little bumper videos that are funny that churches love to play. But they're also really the most popular comedic team um, in the world especially when it comes to Christian events and conferences and concerts and things. They've been doing this for a couple of decades now, and they are hilarious. They're amazing at what they do. And I've known Tommy for a while, Tommy Woodard for a while, because, A, uh, I used to run a conference, and we often, uh, literally every time we had a conference, we had the skit guys come and perform. But in the last five years, Tommy got a hold of uh, my book, The Jesus-Centered Life, and it, uh, according to him, it upended his life uh, in, a, in a good way. 
Tommy in his other life is an associate pastor at his church. And uh, he contacted me after he got a copy of the Jesus Centered Life and said he would love to do a month-long sermon series on that book. And so I helped him craft something that he could do at his church in a month-long series. But what that told me is that when somebody reacts that way to what is in the Jesus-centered life, uh, a different way of seeing Jesus, a different way of seeing our relationship with Jesus. When somebody has that kind of visceral reaction, you realize that you're, that you have a kindred spirit connection. Uh, to me, that's the best kindred spirit connection is when you discover somebody has this natural magnetic attraction to Jesus. Um, so that's, that's true with Tommy and I, and it, and it kind of changed our relationship in some ways. It gave us something deep and connecting to, uh, fuel our, our relationship. And I think Tommy is one of the funniest people I've ever seen. Uh, he does all kinds of humor. He does physical humor and he does, uh, he does wordplay kind of humor. He's just hilarious. Um, and I thought it would be a, a great thing to talk to someone who makes people laugh for a living uh, about the role of laughter in our everyday life of following Jesus and also the role of laughter in Jesus' life. Now, uh, why are we treating laughter as a basic? Well, even though we don't see a lot of evidence of humor, obvious evidence of humor in the Bible or in the life of Jesus, we know that humor and laughter must be intrinsic to the nature of God because we're created in his image. And humor is a fundamental basic for our life. Um, there are no human beings ever anywhere who didn't enjoy and gravitate to laughter and humor even in the darkest situations, and sometimes especially in the darkest situations, so that we know if, it, if it's fundamental to human beings, then it must be more than fundamental to God. In fact, I believe, I often tell people this, I think the, the most shocking thing we'll experience when we see Jesus face to face is how funny he is and how much laughter there is in the kingdom of God. Of all the things that we will experience that will shock us about the kingdom of God, I think laughter will be at the top of the list uh, because we don't expect um, a life with God to be centrally about laughter. And in fact, laughter, we sort of compartmentalize it away. We, we love it. We know it's basic to our life, but we don't often frame it within the context of our everyday relationship with Jesus. So today... Um, we'll listen to my interview with uh, Tommy Woodard. We're sitting in the vast expanse of this empty conference hall where 5,000 youth pastors had been about 10 minutes before. We went there because we thought it would be the quietest place we could find at this conference. And about halfway through the interview, you'll you'll hear the, uh, the worship band for that night doing their sound check. So there's a little bit of music about halfway through, but um, but I think you'll be able to hear everything Tommy has to say. And, and then uh, we'll come on back after this interview segment and we'll talk a little bit more about laughter. Here we go. So um, I I know just because I know you a little mm -hmm. that your your life has been um, uh, transformed by, understood by, filtered by humor, laughter. Um, it's it seems to come easily for you. I know nothing that looks easy is. Yeah. But what has the this laughter humor um, what role has that played in your in your life not just your life in general but in your life with Jesus what role has that played okay quick backstory my parents have told me that as an infant 
um, they'd be walking somewhere and the people behind them would start laughing. And so they would turn around and they would ask why. And they would say, your baby is making faces at us, you know? <laughs> and so there's something just in the core of who I am that loves to make people laugh. And I, it, you know, a part of it's probably a sense of approval. They're approving of me if I'm making them laugh. Um, hopefully I've gotten to the point where it's not so much about approval as it is, this is who I am. It's the core of who I am, right? Um, as a very young youth pastor, um, I was asked by a camp to, hey, would you come lead one of our breakout sessions? You know, and I said, sure. And I got all of their um, directions. And one of the directions said, you do not use humor while teaching, you know, because it's a distraction. And I called him up, you know, at the age of 19 and said, hey, I can't do this, you know. And they said, why? I said, I don't know how to teach without humor. And it doesn't mean that I think I'm funny. It just means, like, I know how my brain works, you know, and so I'm going to break the rules. Um, I think... If I answer your question, because I'm now just talking about myself, um, you know, I, uh, Eddie and I both have said before, you know, humor breaks down walls for the truth to enter. And so I think whether it is on stage, whether it's with my kids, whether I'm, if I'm trying to get a point across, I'm probably, humor's going to come in because humor breaks down walls, not just for truth to enter in, but for anything to enter in. I think it's why most commercials has, have humor because you'll, you're, you're, it, it causes your wall to drop. And now I'm going to hear what you want me to hear, you know? So good. And, and the thing is that uh, I remember I, I, I wrote a book called Shrewd and I spoke about it once and I was heading to the back and a guy kind of reached out and grabbed me and said, I need to talk to you for a second. And he said, um, I'm, I'm the shrewdest person I know. But before this morning, I didn't think that being shrewd could be part of my life with Jesus wow. until now. Mm-hmm. I compartmentalized it away. This is my business life. This is my good Christian life. And what happened today is I saw Jesus in this gift I've been given or the way I'm wired. And I think people think about like that the same with humor and laughter. Yeah. I mean, there's Christian comedy, obviously, but we don't think of laughter as central to our relationship with Jesus. It's just a human thing right? in a compartmentalized way. Mm-hmm. How is it decompartmentalized? What, what, in what way is that threaded centrally into your own experience and relationship with Jesus instead of something off to the side? Uh, that's a great question. I, I'm going to give you kind of two directions on it. When, when Eddie and I first started traveling in the late 80s, we would go to a church and perform and no one would laugh. And part of that was our stuff really wasn't that funny and we'd stolen it from Saturday Night Live and tried to make it Christian. But after it was over and people were filing out, they would shake our hands and they would smile and they would say, that is some of the funniest stuff I've ever heard. And so as time went on, we're like, why is no one laughing? But later they say it was funny. And what we learned was, if you look at church and the history of the church, it was disrespectful to laugh in the sanctuary. And so we, as, as a people, We've historically bred our people to say laughter must not be right, which is so crazy because we believe a book that says it's good medicine, right? You know, and so I think it's caused people to go other places to find their laughter rather than here. Now, in my personal journey, I think I went through periods where... A lot of times I sure hoped God had a sense of humor, you know, because I would do something or say something and it was like, 
oh, I hope he has a sense of humor, you know? And as it has progressed, like I tend to look at some things that happen and just go, you know, that was really funny. Like, I'm pretty sure God's laughing at that, you know? And I think that, I think, you know, you can't have a book that says laughter's good medicine if, you know, the great physician doesn't believe that, you know? So, so I, I think you've touched on something that I think is a, is a big elephant in the room for people. Uh, and you just said yourself, I think God might be laughing about that because it's hard for us to, to get over this hump of thinking that he actually, that, that laughter is, is like breathing to him. Mm-hmm. That even when I say that, it sounds like uh, that can't be true based on my experience of reading scripture and being in church. Um, so when we think about laughter as this thing that really exists outside of who we think Jesus is, mm-hmm. how do you integrate that into who you think Jesus is? Oh, gosh. Um, well, I have to overcome, and I still continue to have to overcome, just the historic understanding of who God is and who Jesus is, right? I mean, if the world is filled with so much sin and if people are so broken and if all these atrocities are happening, how in the world can he be laughing? How can he have a sense of humor? Yeah, so good. You know? But then what you realize is when you look closely at some of those atrocities, I mean, go and, and read or, or watch a documentary about people who experienced the Holocaust and what they're going to tell you is the way they made it through was laughter whether it was they were silently uh, in their cells making fun of the guards or they're making fun of themselves that there was this thing and so at that point you have to realize humor is a tool that God gave us to be able to deal with the difficulties and the atrocities if we don't have humor and if he doesn't have a sense of humor we don't make it because it's too much to bear I just, it's so ironic that you say this because I, I just this morning I was reading something about the, the show, the NPR show, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Have you ever heard that show? Yeah. So it just celebrated its 20th anniversary and it's a humor show with a news peg to it. Um, and uh, one of the things that the founders of the show were talking about in this article is that um, the hardest show they ever did was the week after 9-11 and they wondered whether they should do a show and they decided sort of missionally that what the country needed was for them to do their job and to do a show where they could still laugh a week after 9-11. Mm-hmm. Huge challenge. I mean, I can't even imagine the challenge as a writer, the, for the writers of that show to figure out how can we do this. Yeah. But they gave some examples of how they did it, and they poked a little fun at Giuliani, and they did some other stuff. Mm-hmm. But people wrote to them and said, this is the first time I've laughed in 10 days. That that was a, basically a ministry to me that you allowed me to laugh. What What is the function of laughter then, even in that light, you've said it helps us to embrace and move through horrific things. Right. But when you think about it, uh, in your own life, mm-hmm. what is its function for you? What, what is happening in you when you're causing people to laugh and when you are laughing yourself? What uh, We just went through this little thing here where we're talking about the Enneagram and personality types and things like that. So. Uh, when you think about your own personality type, when you're causing people to laugh or you're laughing yourself, what is it doing in you? Man, that is a great question. Um, I'm going to back up a little because what you talked about with, uh, wait, wait, don't tell me. Like I remember Letterman went about a week and there was no humor. 
And then I remember his fantastic monologue of saying, we can't stay here. And what I loved about it was it was as if the comedic world uh, sat Shiva with all of America, uh, you know? It's a great way. And, and, that's, and that's one of the things that we do in those difficult times. We, there is that time where it's like, okay, not now, you know? And each person has to decide when is it time to laugh again. But isn't it great that at funerals, there's always laughter. When the family gets together, we can be weeping and there's laughter. I, I love, um, I talk about sometimes when it says that Jesus wept at Lazarus's funeral, you know? It didn't say he cried a little. It didn't say he got misty-eyed. It said he wept, you know? And that's ugly crying, right? And so then I'm thinking, snot bubbles like we don't have to have snot bubbles but when you're crying really hard and all of a sudden a snot bubble comes out and you're with your friends you just kind of bust right and so to me laughter is that it's that that tension releaser it is that I think that's why the Bible calls it medicine because what medicine does is it helps alleviate the pain uh, what medicine does is it gets to the root of what the problem is and starts working away at it and so I think humor does that thing it gets inside of us and if whatever it is that we're struggling with it can be pride and then there's a joke that just busts our pride and all of a sudden we're laughing at ourselves and all of a sudden oh yeah there's no reason to be boastful or proud anymore you know I'm in the midst of pain and difficulty and all all of a sudden something is said that makes me laugh and all right okay you know what that pain's not there so I, I think that like when the Bible describes it as medicine I think that's what it is and I think I guess I've never been asked before but I would go I think when I'm in that moment I feel like I'm doling out the medicine to the people you know um, There'll be times that Eddie and I will do shows and somebody will come up afterwards and say, thank you. I remember a lady saying, thank you. My husband died six months ago and I haven't laughed since then. And I didn't want to come to your show tonight, but somebody made me and thank you. I, wow. You know, and I, so I think it is such, it's got such a healing power to it. Yeah. And the, the, the irony kind of staring us in the face is that when we read about Jesus in scripture, we almost never think about the fact that he has a sense of humor. We know kind of um, extrinsically that people were drawn to him like a magnet. They loved being around him. Yeah. Kids were drawn to him. They uh, sensed immediately that he was an attractive person. So we can infer things about what kind of personality he had. Yes. But we get kind of this one-tonal reading of him. In fact, whenever you hear anyone read something Jesus said, it's always in a serious tone, never in a... And probably British. Yeah. <laughs> in a British yeah. tone, yeah. yeah. But why do you think that is? Why do you think that this thing that we're talking about that's so fun fundamental to humanity and we know we're made in the image of God. Why do you think there's not more sort of quote unquote evidence of this when we read the life of Jesus? I think it's because rarely are there humorous people who become the great leaders in our world. You know, I mean, rarely are there really humorous people that we see make great accomplishments. They're always so serious about everything, you know, and they have to be to make their accomplishments. So to have a Messiah who has a sense of humor, you go, really? But my deal is, and if I, I I'll get, yeah, you know, I'll get a little blue and you can edit it out if you need to. Okay. You've got a group of 12 guys, 13 counting Jesus that are going all over together. They're eating together, they're sleeping together on the ground, they're hanging out, right? Did they not have gas? 
Did, I mean, do we really believe that as they're sitting around talking about who's the greatest, you know, one of them didn't, you know, break wind and they just, they just sat there and were like, yeah, that just happened. I mean, because, and this gets into my theology on gas, and again, you can edit out what you need, it doesn't have to smell and it didn't have to sound funny. Somebody made that decision. And God's the one, it's either a result of the fall, all right? And so because of our sinful broken bodies, our gas stinks and makes a noise to alert everyone that we just did something, you know? Or there's a sense of humor somewhere in the cosmos that went, this will be fun for them, you know? And you, you kind of see this in, in creation, the absolute extravagance. Uh, extravagance doesn't even yeah. cover yeah, yeah. How, how unbelievably teeming with life and diversity creation is. Uh-huh. And we see things that um, all the time that we, we look at and we have an intrinsic reaction to that that's funny, yeah. that's goofy, mm-hmm. that's crazy. And there's the fingerprints of God behind that creation and his extravagance. Um, yeah. So we, it, it's, still, it's still interesting that we see the whole gamut of emotion swirling around Jesus. But unless we're slowing down and paying attention, we don't really include laughter or humor in that swirl. So um, last question for you. Um, uh, is laughter? Can we pause for a second yeah. and just say just the humor of, of this going on right now? <laughs> we tried to record somewhere else; it was too loud. So we came to the choir. Yes. The drum so all I do is jam this ever closer to your mouth. That's my that's my solution. So so would you consider humor or laughter a spiritual discipline in a way? Oh, that's a hard question because I love the spiritual disciplines. Um, you know, my life was, my, my spiritual life was so changed by Richard J. Foster's book, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's a great question because the disciplines are such a challenge for me and humor comes naturally to me. So I'd love for it to be a spiritual discipline, you know, uh, and maybe I could just be good at that one spiritual discipline. Uh, I think that when you look at science and how it bears out, that the more you laugh, the longer you live. The more you laugh, the stronger your immune system is. You know, whether it is a spiritual discipline or not, it is something that God created for not only our spiritual well-being, but our mental and our physical health. So it becomes that thing that as healthy believers, we need to lean into humor because it's the healthy thing to do. And and we know by extension, if it's if it's the healthy thing to do, then we're becoming more whole in the way God is. I think the most shocking thing that we will experience when we see Him face to face is how funny He is. Uh, I think it'll be the shock uh, for most people to experience how funny He is. I don't. I think I can't imagine how we're going to get our minds around this. That that He is as funny as as the funniest person we've ever heard. Yeah. He's at least that funny yeah. because he can't not be. So, so uh, yeah. I have always said, always since I was an infant, <laughs> I've said, I believe that most comedians just miss their calling. Mm-hmm. I, I think that you think about somebody like, uh, and, and maybe not, but you think about somebody like Robin Williams and I go, he would have been the greatest preacher ever because you would laugh so hard 
and then he would just drop a truth and it would stick with you forever yeah. you know because you would remember the humor and tie it together so yeah and i think when you talk about laughter i've never stopped and thought about it but i can't imagine heaven without laughter yeah. like that would be a dark sad place yeah, yeah. you know yeah. it just it reminds me of uh, one of the great books ever about heaven is the great divorce by c.s lewis yeah. and that book is so funny mm -hmm. uh, there, there's so much humor Buried in Lewis's story of people in hell trying to trying to get to heaven and not really choosing heaven in the end, and yeah. just the the humor of human beings is kind of threaded through that very serious story about heaven and hell. So, anyway, thank you so much for uh, taking some time in a, on a busy weekend to talk. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. All right, I I just love that conversation with Tommy and. It just reminds me again of um, how fundamental laughter is to our life. And that means it, it must, by necessity, be fundamental to our life with Jesus. So I, I, I wonder, you know, when I, when I asked Tommy, is laughter a spiritual discipline? And he said, I wish it was. I don't know if it is, but I wish it was because it's so natural to me. I think about if it is a spiritual discipline, then what is its function? What is the function of laughter? I think in some ways, uh, laughter's function is to put in proper perspective um, the freedom that we have in Jesus. So Jesus came to set captives free. That's his primary mission and his job description. Um, and laughter is a way of living in freedom in an everyday uh, kind of context. What I mean by that is uh, laughter, especially the kind that, that goes deep into our core, um, has a way of uh, right-sizing our perspective on the world. We, we have a tendency to, to drill down and get intense and over-serious because there's, you know, obviously there's a lot on the line. But if what Jesus is saying to us is really true, if if his redemption and rescue of our life is really true. And if he has uh, freed us from our captivity and that there's nothing that can separate us from him, then laughter is the most normal response in the midst of our struggles and challenges. It is a response that reminds us that there is a macro reality, like an umbrella over our life. And that umbrella over our life is the grace and mercy and love of Jesus. And that, that's what allows us the freedom underneath that umbrella in the midst of our everyday challenges to laugh about them as well, right in the midst of some of the hardest circumstances. So as I've already mentioned in the interview that th this, uh, this show, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me on NPR, where the uh, hosts talked about some of the most important moments in that show, and it's a humor show on NPR, and the decision they had to make about whether they were going to have a show uh, a week after the 9-11 attacks, and they decided in the end that, yes, they would, and the challenge in front of them was how do they uh, program and write a funny show only a week after a horrific thing like 9-11, and, and I just loved what they talked about, that, that people intrinsically need to be able to laugh in the midst of great grief. It releases something inside and reminds us that there is a bigger story being told. There's a macro narrative that is, uh, that allows us to laugh hard and laughter points us to that macro narrative as well. So 
we often treat laughter though and humor um, like it's the gravy on top of the mashed potatoes, not the mashed potatoes themselves. You know, we don't treat laughter and humor as a central aspect of our life. But I'm betting that the people that you know who are most free in Jesus, or you might also say most mature in their relationship with Jesus, they're also some of the people who have the best senses of humor and laugh most easily because they have experienced in reality the freedom that Jesus brings. You know, uh, I bring my favorite comic strip collections with me on when I take a personal retreat. And I, and I read the comics every day. And I, but I never consider this practice the same as reading scripture every day, of course. But actually, when I stand back and think about it, I'm committed to this practice of regularly exposing myself to things that are funny. And, and if I ask myself why, where does that come from? My, the first voice inside of me says, well, it's not very adult. Maybe that's just the kid part of you. And then we remember what Jesus said, that if you don't become like a little child, you can't understand and experience the kingdom of God. And there are so many aspects of children that um, are not represented or, or underrepresented in our adult life. And one of them is how much they love to laugh and delight in things. Children laugh far more easily than adults do. So we can, uh, we can extend what Jesus is saying here, that unless you become like a child, you will not experience the kingdom of God as it was meant to be. We could extend that to say, unless we relearn how to laugh, how to enjoy humor, there's aspects of the kingdom of God we just won't understand. It's crucial, actually, in our relationship with Jesus that we develop a sense of humor. (laughs) And, you know, for some people like Tommy, it comes naturally. They're, They're sort of born with a sense of humor. But for some of us, we have to develop it for whatever reason, because of our family background or the experiences we've gone through in life, we have to develop a a better sense of humor. So how do we do that? Well, um, for one thing, I I think the first thing I I would say is to, to, when we're reading scripture, especially, especially when we're reading about Jesus, to put a filter on as we're reading and look for moments that if the tone was different than we normally expect, and if, and if we understood the context a little bit better, would this be a funny moment? Um, I, th- I think we would start to find many more moments of laughter and humor as we read about Jesus if we put this filter on when we do. Like, for instance, one of the funniest stories in all the Bible is when um, a couple of tax collectors come to where Jesus is staying, and... They ask Peter if Jesus pays the temple tax. And uh, Peter gets all kind of flustered because all of a sudden, you know, the tax guy has shown up and he's asking about whether uh, Jesus is up to date on his taxes. And so Peter goes inside to talk to Jesus about this. And he, he, uh, he goes out and talks to the tax collectors and, and uh, engages them and uh, tells the tax collector, tells Peter actually to... Go on down to the beach, cast a line into the ocean, catch a fish, open the mouth of the fish, 
and give the coin to the tax collectors. Now, we know Jesus uh, can do the miraculous. He can do things any way he wants, and he chooses to do it this way. He chooses to, to pay the tax collectors with a coin from a fish's mouth that Peter catches in the ocean. Oh, why would he do this? Well, you could say he's trying to show his power and his, you know, his, his ability as Messiah. But I think he's doing this because he's funny. And he thought it'd be funny if he did it this way. And I, I can only imagine the looks on the faces of those two tax collectors when Peter pulls the coin out of the fish's mouth and gives it to them. So there's an example of Jesus being really funny. I bet it was really funny when that happened. So there are other places in scripture that if you simply slow down and pay attention and don't assume that Jesus is being hyper serious in every situation, that you'll see moments of humor and laughter in the scriptural account of him. So that's one way to to develop your sense of humor. Another way is to expose yourself to good humor, really funny people, um, and engage in um, funny conversations with people. Um, I don't know how many people you have in your life who you would consider really funny, but I, I have some in my life and I go through seasons in my life where, uh, sometimes I have really funny people regularly every day in my life. And sometimes I don't, I went through a, probably a seven year season with a team that, that I had at work who were really funny. I mean, a lot of very funny people. And I found that it, uh, sparked and kind of blew on the embers of my own sense of humor. Because when you're around people who appreciate laughter and love making others laugh, it, uh, kind of fans into the flame, um, your own sense of humor. So Finding excuses to be around funny people is a good thing because just like any other basic gift in our life, uh, when we are around people who practice that gift well, our own gift can grow. And then I, I guess I'd say another thing is in exposing yourself to, to more and more uh, opportunities for laughter and humor is simply to do what I've already said. Make it an everyday practice. If, you're, if you don't already read the comics on an everyday basis, or if you don't read funny books or collections of comics, maybe this is the time uh, heading into the Christmas season where you make a slight change in your regular rhythm and you start to expose yourself to more humor. There are so many examples of it. And uh, obviously the internet is a fantastic place to go for humor. Um, uh, I know that my daughters have always loved the Studio C videos that are on YouTube. Studio C is a project um, that is I funded by and created by Mormons. <laughs> you would never know it from watching these, uh, watching these short videos because they're done in the style of Saturday night live and they're all clean, but there's no, you know, Mormon message behind these videos. It's just humor for the sake of humor, but it's clean humor and it's done pretty well. In fact, I've said to my daughters that the humor on studio C is often often better than the humor that I see on Saturday night live. So, so, um, you can also expose yourself to humor by, by, uh, uh, watching great stand-up comics too. Jim Gaffigan is one of my favorites and he's a clean comic. Um, so, the, and there are several clean comics out there and it's literally like exercising a muscle 
that gets tired and weak. Um, if the more you watch or the more you read and the more you experience humor, you grow that muscle and that muscle is a, I think a crucial muscle that's necessary in our relationship with Jesus so that we don't drill down into intensity all the time. And we experience our life with him as play as he meant it to be. Nothing puts you in a place of play faster than something funny. <laughs> so there's a few ways that uh, if you're humor challenged, <laughs> you can develop a greater sense of, of humor. Uh, and uh, you probably have many other ways that are uh, uh, practices in your life. And maybe you've never seen those practices as central or threaded into your primary relationship with Jesus. You've never seen them as quote unquote, a spiritual discipline. And I just want to suggest to you that they are, that the more you laugh, and the more you incorporate humor into your everyday life, the more you will taste and see the kingdom of God. Well, gang, that's it for episode 47. Thanks for listening. Um, if you'd like to find out more about what I've uh, talked about on this episode, um, Adam will put links to the things that we've talked about on our podcast page. So just go to paying ridiculous attention to Jesus.com. Look for season three episode 47. And if you haven't already uh, signed up for the pigs page, it's our private Facebook page for people who have said, I want to be all in with Jesus. Um, and the, the name, we get the name, the pigs page from a chapter in my book, the Jesus centered life called living a pig's life. And it comes from the truth that um, when you uh, serve breakfast, the chicken offers up an egg for the breakfast. The chicken offers something for the breakfast, but the pig gives everything for the breakfast. So uh, the pigs refers to someone who wants to be uh, all in with Jesus. So if that's you, uh, all you have to do is go to paying ridiculous attention to Jesus.com and look for the button at the bottom that says, I want to join the pigs page. And that'll be your, uh, your uh, request to be invited into the group, and then I will click on a link and you'll be in. So head over there if that's something you'd like to do. And also, uh, if you want to make sure you don't miss any of the podcasts that, that come out each week, uh, try signing up on iTunes or Google Play and make sure that you get them delivered to you every week so you don't miss one. Gang, thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you again next week.